everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Jewel Podcast. My name is Craig O'Donoghue from the West Australian newspaper, taking you through another season of talking to guests about the Perth Wildcats, Perth Lynx, and what's happening in WA basketball in general, to give you the best insight possible into what's happening in the sport throughout this state. In this week's episode, I'll be talking to two guests with incredibly unique stories. We'll start with Melbourne Boomers captain and new mum, Kayla George, ahead of her clash against Perth Lynx this weekend, and then speak with former Wildcat and former Brisbane Bullet, Devondrick Walker, who has chosen to live in WA again as he works out the next step of his his career as an NBL import. But we're going to start with a truly extraordinary and heartwarming story about this lady. Messi going to work against George on the block. George spotted her and took it away. George for the screen. Imagine feeds her back. Turn around. Floater fade away. Opposite side. Yes, that's Australian Opal star Kayla George during the World Cup, and as I said, she'll be in Perth later this week as her Melbourne Boomers play against the Lynx, but her life is about way more than basketball at the moment. She announced to the world in the first week of August that she was about to become a first-time mum, then in the first week of October she won a bronze medal at the World Cup, and one week later her daughter Pearl was born. That mass doesn't add up. So how is it so? And the answer is not magic, but it is truly magical. Kayla George, welcome to the Dribble Podcast. Hi, thanks for having me. So there's obviously a lot of detail to go into this story, so I'm going to just let you sum it up. How did you play an international tournament one week before becoming a mum? I actually think it was pretty funny that people thought I was seven and a half months pregnant about to play in a World Cup. I thought that was kind of funny, but, you know, how I did announce it, it did seem that I was possibly pregnant because I didn't really give too much detail. I kind of wanted to space out the details and not hit everyone one time with, you know, the massive information that I probably needed to get out there. So there was a bit of a confusing time for people, but I thought that was kind of funny. Um, but, yeah, I guess uh, my husband is a Torres Strait Islander and in their culture for the last however long generations, um, gifting babies among close family members is quite common. Um, and so after the Rio Olympics, uh, Kylo's sister, um, she had spoken to us about wanting to gift us a baby at some point. Um, and I've been with my husband for 11 years. So I was pretty, before I met him, I had no idea about it. And so when I first got told about the uh, the gifting of children within families to people that were less fortunate that couldn't maybe conceive their own child or were having issues conceiving their own child. Um, it was it was a lot for me to comprehend in my mind because um, I just had never really heard of it before. But over time, and I got a better understanding. So, um, anyways, uh, forward a few years, and the timing was right. I won a championship with the Melbourne Boomers in March, and I came home and had a little celebration family shindig at my house and. Kyla's sister said, hey, I'm nine weeks pregnant. I was like, wow, okay, um, is this going to happen? Oh, my gosh, is it time? Like, um, because she wanted to – she only had had one boy, her, um, her and her partner, and they wanted another boy. So she said if it was a girl, they were going to give it to us. So we had to wait a little while longer for the gender to be known. And then after we found out it was a girl, uh, which is funny actually because the doctor um, in real clinical terms is like, well, it's either going to be a sausage or a hamburger on the screen. I was like, oh, so we needed to see a hamburger. <laughs> so we saw the hamburger and, yep, it's a girl. And so um, we went on our way to prep for a new life coming into our world and, and the rest is history. So you're not Indigenous, so you, as you said, you're, you're going in with a different cultural um, experience in your life to, mm-hmm. what you, to what your husband had and, what, and to what, what I certainly have and to what most of the listeners here are as well. When you get told that you're going to be literally given your sister-in-law's baby to 
raise and be the legal parents of. How long did it take you to get your head around that sort of sacrifice and, and that gift, as you described, being gifted that sort of amazing experience? Yeah, it's honestly incredible. And I still have pinch me moments every day about how selfless um, his sister has been to do this for us. And Kylo and I have had our own issues with trying to fall pregnant. I'd still like to have our own, um, you know, in a few years. Um, Now, what that looks like, I'm not sure. And will it be easy? Maybe not. I am a little bit older now too, but we have tried in the past to have our own. Um, And so, you know, she saw that and, and really wanted to just bless us with a child and she's just such, she's probably the most generous human I've ever known to do it. Um, and they truly believe in their culture that if someone's, you know, struggling to have their own baby and they get gifted a baby that they have their own not long after just because, you know, they get the maternal feeling of being a mum and they, they get gifted the child and then I guess there's maybe a sense of relax and maybe the body just, you know, figures it out and, and you know, eventually has their own. So they really truly believe that that happens in their culture. So I'm really hoping that that happens for us too. Um, also um, on that topic of, you know, also being an athlete is really challenging to know when to have a baby and the stress we put on our bodies. And I've spoken about it in the media, like about, you know, the struggle I've had with um, my periods and, and delays of periods and the pill and what that did to my body. And it's, um, it's been a pretty incredible ride, the experience of it all, um, you know, going from being on the pill for nine years to having a period for four years to being told I've got eggs and they're looking good, but they just don't ovulate on their own. So I needed help with that. So there's a lot of stuff that a lot of women go through. This is just my journey. Um, Cause a lot of people are like, Oh, why'd she gift you a baby for? Like, can you have your own? And it's like, well, first of all, yes, I'd like to try for our own at some point. And what that looks like I said before, it's, I'm not quite sure yet, but um, for the most part, I think I've got some, some good looking eggs ready to go, but I will be a little bit older in a few years and, and we'll see how that goes. But for now, we are so, so fortunate and blessed to have baby Pearl. And, um, yeah, Kyla's sister is honestly the best human I know, so selfless and so generous, and I just hope to raise Pearl, um, you know, to know her her auntie, uh, <laughs> you know, with what she did for us. And Pearl will understand and have an understanding of how it's all gone down. We definitely will tell her when she's, you know, old enough to understand. I think that's really important, um, you know, for culture and um, you know, just for her to, to have that understanding. I wouldn't hide that from her at all. And, and we, we will be very close to them as she grows up. We live five minutes from them. And, um, well, currently I'm in Melbourne and they're in Cairns. But, um, you know, when we do base in Cairns for half the year. So I think, you know, we are a very close family, the, the George mob. And um, yeah, I look forward to, to, you know, watching Pearl grow and, and all of us raising her as a giant family. Now, if you're Indigenous or Torres Strait Islander and are listening to this, I'm going to do my absolute best here to get the pronunciations and terminology correct, so forgive me if I'm slightly off in any way, but this is a traditional child-rearing practice, and the Mariba Amuska Gazil Kazipa Act was passed by the Queensland Parliament in 2020 to make it actually part of Queensland law because Queensland governed uh, the Torres Strait Islander region. Uh, did you utilise those laws as part of this process or did you f- um, focus more on the traditional element of it, which where it's not required that you follow these laws, but it makes it a little bit easier for the child potentially when they get older with driver's licences and things like that to have birth certificates me- matching those sorts of things as way well it's been described to me. Did you d- utilise this new act or did, have you gone down the traditional path of just accepting the gift? 
Well, I think it's a real blessing that that's actually, and it kind of is terrible that it's only happened so late, only a couple of years ago that it's been legally recognised. Uh, and so my husband and I are going down the legal, the proper legal track to be able to, you know, have legal guardianship over Pearl so that we can, you know, enrol her in school and get her ears pierced and all that kind of stuff, um, you know, and make those decisions for her uh, and be her legal guardians. But, I mean, if this wasn't in place, we'd do it the other way and just, you know, be gifted the baby and, and get on with it. Um, but I guess because it's become legally recognised now, we're doing it through that avenue and um, it is still very fresh. It's only a couple of years old and there is a lot of paperwork involved. Um, but I think, I mean, it's obviously the right thing to do. We want to do things the right way and, and make sure that we're doing the right things by culture and making sure that, you know, there's a, a good understanding from all parties of what's happened. And, and obviously for Pearl, like I said, when she's older, to have an understanding as well. And because um, I'm continuing to learn about culture all the time about this scenario, you know, there's other things and other elements that, you know, I've been made aware of as well. So um, it's all constantly learning about culture and I, I never stop learning and wanting to wanting to know more. So I was talking to my wife about this this morning. She knew we, she knew we were going to do this interview, and I said, "I said, how do you reckon you'd find it?" She goes, "I, I don't know how I'd emotionally hand over a child after being pregnant for nine months and then giving birth. Like, it's obviously a big part of, of the, the Torres Strait Islander culture, so uh, would, that would help in a lot in a lot of ways from an emotional standpoint. But what what was it like on the day to see her give birth and then see her hand over um, the, the child that she's just given birth to, to to allow you to be to become a mother? What, did you see?" a range of emotions in her face or that you, or did you expect a certain range of emotions and what, what's the day like honestly uh, i posted a fair big video about it um, on my instagram i don't know if you watched like the whole day of us going into theater in theater like afterwards like the experience of it and we're pretty close myself and kylo's sister so um the whole experience was like pure joy and i actually have been more um, emotionally fragile about it all than she has, which she's, uh, and I've, I asked her almost every day beforehand, um, multiple times when we were in the hospital together because we were in hospital for three or four days after Pearl was born. Um, and her response was always like, sister, I have had nine months to think about all of this longer because she wanted to gift us with a baby years ago. It was already on her mind. And she said, I truly feel that I have just been babysitting her for you and I'm auntie and your mum and I'm so, so happy for you both. And that was always her response. So even when it came to me taking her home from the hospital, like I was the emotional and she'd have to tell me to stop crying. Like She was just so, so overwhelmed with joy for Kylo and I to experience parenthood and to have this beautiful life given to us. Uh, the gift that she gave was, was um, enough for her to, be okay like she enjoyed giving you know giving us this beautiful gift which is probably the best gift I'll ever receive in my life um our lives my husband and I and I think the joy that she sees that she gets joy from seeing how we look at Pearl and and um she's said that to me multiple times and when we moved down to Melbourne the last cuddle that she got with her like I was a mess and she's like oh my goodness like you're fine I'm like she didn't even cry she was just like have the best time you're going to be amazing like she has been such a solid rock through this process uh, and I always take it back to when she said to me sister I have just been babysitting her this whole time that is how I truly feel she is completely yours and Kylo's and I'm so happy for you like that is her mindset and um yeah I was the biggest crybaby I'm like getting a bit emotional thinking about it now obviously because it's still quite fresh um and I don't think I could ever thank her enough for 
this gift and before we went into hospital we went on a little mani pedi day and when she you know heals a bit from surgery um i'm gonna get her a, a body scrub and a day spa day because i mean that's not even close to saying thank you but this is the least i can do just to you know try and show how grateful that we are to to receive this beautiful gift and like i said she's going to be such a huge part of pearl's life and um it's just a beautiful cultural thing uh, that is a part of the Torres Island culture and uh, I'm so I feel so blessed that I can be a part of it and raise Pearl with an understanding of culture and and what has, has transpired certainly put some pressure on you at Christmas time to come up with a good gift for her that's for sure <laughs> and birthday, oh gosh, birthdays beyond in, you have you have to go above and beyond can't this be yeah. something basic the you mentioned the joy <laughs> like the best part about those videos you talk about is the look on your face you are genuinely beaming like the it, 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 it radiates through the screen when you're watching it um, a lot of people when they give birth obviously they're drugged up and uh, going through pain and all that sort of stuff and they don't get to have the absolute joy that you can see instantly Instantly on the screen because it takes them a little bit of time to recover. It's fair to say you're just yeah. oh, oh, it's it's amazing to watch. And I'd encourage everyone to have to have a look at Kayla's socials because it, it is incredible. How have you found the 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 experience of being a first time mum? Yeah, look, she has been a dreamboat, old pearly girl. She's honestly born for this lifestyle. First three weeks into life, uh, she's travelled Cairns to Melbourne, Melbourne to Perth, return, and about to go to Perth again this weekend. And she's not even bloody seven weeks old yet. So uh, she, um, easy baby for now, like she sleeps more during the day than at night. Hopefully that switches soon. But having my mum here has been a real help because my husband works with um, Indigenous kids, males in the high school system in Cairns. So he's almost finished up the school year and then he'll come down uh, in the next week or two and mum will go back home. So having mum here has been really great. But on occasion I'll take her to trainings and she doesn't say nothing. She just sleeps, opens her eyes for a second, feeds, goes back to sleep. At the games, she doesn't make a noise. She just feeds and sleeps. So she's a real champ. She honestly, yeah, born for this lifestyle. I feel very lucky that she's just such a good little girl. So you mentioned Pearl's been at games. She was here in round one. Uh, it's amazing how tiny babies are. I was, uh, you forget how, how small babies are until uh, when my kids are all grown up now, so, uh, 8, 12, and 14. You sort of forget how small they were when they were born. I was looking at her going, man, babies are really small. That's right. Um, but t- talk yeah. us through the arrangements that are in place for WNBL players and their babies when they have to travel throughout the season. What, 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 are they, what has the league got in place to make life easier for you to be able to be a professional athlete and a mum at the same time? Yeah, that's a, a great question. So the CBA, um, so I get to take like a carer or a nanny on road trips with me. We get our own like room and stuff and obviously Bubba comes too and, and, and the carer's taken care of in terms of flights and food and stuff while we're on the road just as us players would um, and room and, and it's actually really handy. And so obviously during the games I can't, I, I'm not breastfeeding, so I'm not running over to, you know, get my boob out for her or anything. So mum's got all the bottles ready and, and, and that's all all good there so that's kind of you know where we're at with the cba and i think that that's really great that that's in there because as female athletes like what other alternative do we have like last year last season we had carla nevick who had just had a baby and then four months later came back and started to play so um you know again she was able to bring carers on the road it was sometimes her husband sometimes her mom sometimes her sister with baby kylan and it's just such a big help uh, and my mum you know, she allows me to get a, a few more hours of sleep on game day, night, like eve nights, like so. Um, that re- is really handy for you know <laughs> me to be a little less fatigued for games. Um, so yeah, I think it's a great initiative, and I think so. It should be that way. It's it, it should be that and more because you know as female athletes, 
it's already challenging in a lot of different areas and, and this is just one thing that is amazing that we can be able to bring our babies on the road with us and, and have a care and have the help that we need um, and have that sorted for road trips because otherwise we just couldn't go on the road because we, it's, you know, baby comes first, we'd have to stay. And that, that's our job right there. So it's really great that we were able to bring them. How has it impacted your, your overall season from a training perspective, from a mental approach to game, especially for even playing? You said, you know, you've got to sleep, you've got, you've got your own routines, but babies have their own routines as well. And it's fair to say babies don't like our routines. Um, has it impacted <laughs> your ability to play in the way that you want to normally play? Have you had to change your own routines around that? Are you, are you happy with how it's impacting you on and off the court, I suppose. Have you noticed it all that much? Um, honestly, like sometimes I'm a little extra fatigued coming into training, but once I warm up, like I don't even think about it. I usually like in the mornings I'm good and then in the afternoons I'll have a little patch of, oh, yeah, I didn't get a good sleep last night and then I just get on with it, next feed, next bath, whatever. I, honestly, I just go about my day pretty much the same. If anything, it's changed for the better with how I feel during games and trainings because knowing Pearl's there or that I've got Pearl, it's just a real sense of joy knowing that she's in the crowd and that I'm playing with her in the room, although she's not watching yet. Um, or like just having her there, it's just um, I couldn't really anticipate what that felt like um, because I hadn't experienced that before. But um, obviously having family and close friends at games is an incredible feeling too. But to have Pearl there is just a whole different level um, and a joy that I never knew I needed in my life. <laughs> it's incredible. So you're, as I said, you're, you're 33, you're, so the biological clock obviously does tick. But at the same time, you're, you're an Olympian, you've been at the World Cup, the boomers are dominating. Like, if you want to be a professional basketballer, now is not the time to leave to go and have a child. And that'd be the same case for everybody else who's at your level. So how difficult is it when you're making these decisions in your life for other pl- people who are not having the same challenges that you were having conceiving-wise, do you reckon, who have to decide, do I want to be a mum right now or do I want to keep making the most of this window that I'm experiencing sport-wise? I'd imagine that's a really difficult conversation that people would have to have. Oh, my gosh, it's incredibly difficult. With The one that I've had in my whole career, like when am I going to have a kid? What am I going to miss? Do I wait until I make that team? What if I don't make that team? Will I waste that time there? What if I try and have a kid here and then don't get back in time for that? I'll be so angry at myself if I don't get fit enough for that. Like there's so many questions and so many what ifs, what ifs, could I do it? Could I maybe not? Is that the right time? I don't know. Will I get pregnant straight away? Can I recover quickly? Will there be complications? It's so challenging as an athlete or as a female in general, but when you come at it from an athlete point of view with, um, especially because, you know, people that are involved with the Opus program, like the national team program, there's, there's stuff all the time, you know? Um, so what do I miss? Like, what are you willing to miss? And maybe a big event or a smaller event or representing your country only happens for such a time of your life. So like, do you just wait? I always envision having a baby and coming back and playing, but then you can't really say, I want to fall pregnant on this date and I'm going to be back by this date. Like it just doesn't work like that. And it's so challenging. And then the stress we put on our bodies, you know, dealing with all that stuff, like I I sort of mentioned before, like I've had some um, challenges of my own, um, which I'm working through now. Um, so yeah, it's, it's not easy. It's a really hard conversation. And, um, I'm so fortunate that my husband's been so patient. I've been with him for 11 years, married almost eight. And, and he's just said, yep, whenever you're ready, like kids will come when they come, like whenever you're ready, like I just want to support you, which is just like the best attitude, like what a legend. Um, and then, you know, we've got little pearly girl to kind of just, you know, fill that void of wanting a child. And, um, we're so blessed to have her and I can't wait to hopefully give her some siblings in a few years. Your husband's an absolute weapon looking at the photos. Like he is a beast of a <laughs> is he an athlete of any sort? Because he looks um, like he could do some <laughs> hardcore damage on in whatever sport he wants to play. 
Uh, he's dabbled in a bit of rugby, but he's mainly a basketballer. Just not professionally, but he's done. His bro- you might know his brother Deborah George. He's played around a few leagues in Australia. He played for the Taipans for a bit, uh, like not long ago, like a few years back. And um, local Cairns boy, but that's his older brother. Um, but yeah, Kyle Lewis plays local comps and some Indigenous comps, and he's he's done quite well for himself in those in those spaces. But um, yeah, dabbled in a bit of rugby. He does definitely has a rugby type body. <laughs> he's quite a strong lad. Doesn't mind the gym. Yeah, <laughs> he's huge. If you if you do manage to fall pregnant together and and have have one naturally, well, I can imagine what sort of athlete you'd be producing because um you're <laughs> phenomenal and he's a weapon, as I said. So um it, someone strong, yeah, it'd be someone fairly strong, I'd imagine. Um, so you're coming to Perth in a couple of days' time for the game against the Lynx, and you have had a fair income love affair with both playing against the Lynx and West Coast Waves before them. Across your career, so this is from the day one that you entered the league, your stats against them have been you've averaged 15 points and 10 rebounds against a WAWNBL team. So it's fair to say that they should be a little bit scared, wouldn't it? Would that be the case for this weekend? You'd be rather confident against every WA team you ever come up against. Oh, I don't really think of it like that. I don't, I'm not really like, as much as it's nice to know your own stats sometimes. So thank you for that. I don't really like, you know, go back in history and look at that kind of stuff. But I, I do like playing at the new stadium, the Bend at there. Um, I do enjoy that court and have had some success at that court um, this year, especially. So it's a nice kind of feeling when we walked in earlier a few weeks back. You know, I hadn't been there since that game too, and that was pretty euphoric for us, obviously having to take the series back to Melbourne after that. So that was a lot of pressure in that game. So it's nice to come out on top. It's a good feeling. Um, And so, yeah, and then obviously we won a couple of weeks ago, but I think, you know, both teams have probably changed a little bit, probably grown a little bit for us and and Perth. So I think it'd be a really good hit out and we're looking to win the series and they're looking to tie it up. So, um, yeah, I think uh, it'll be a good hit out. And like I said, I do enjoy playing there and, yeah, we'll, we'll see how we go. As long as we win, I, I don't really care if I have, you know, two points and ten rebounds and a few assists. I mean, as long as we win, that's that's how it goes, right? That's what that, you want, that, the that, dub. That, that's all you really want, isn't it? How do you see them? Like, they've obviously they've improved a lot since they played you in that opening game, game of the season. Um, what's the key to victory? Oh, I think, as always, the key to victory is good defence and rebounding, um, and then the rest will follow. So let's see if we can crack down on D and uh, win the rebound count and hopefully run away with the dub. And from a, from an educational perspective for everyone listening, like the, the the Torres Strait Islander traditions, as we spoke about earlier, and your story, do you hope that people will um, gain a, gra- a far greater appreciation for different cultural uh, elements of this country, which we haven't really been educated on all that well? I, certainly, not. I know when I was at school, Aboriginal culture wasn't taught very well, it wasn't probably taught at all. Um, do you hope that this is another example of how we can learn more about our First Nations people and can understand more about the lives that they lived before us white folk arrived? Yeah, absolutely. And I've already had so many conversations about it. It's like multiple, multiple people. And, you know, strangers ask me questions on socials. And I love, I love, love, love teaching, even though I'm still learning. But the context that I know, like I love, you know, sharing that and it's such a beautiful thing and there's such a beautiful culture and um, I've been so blessed to be a part of it for 11 years um, in the George family and, and yeah, absolutely, there's definitely um, a big space that needs to be better in our community and uh, with understanding of Indigenous culture and um, I think, yeah, if it starts a conversation then I think that's, you know, a great thing. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Congratulations on what you're achieving on and off the court. Pearl is absolutely gorgeous, and we'll look forward to having her as a guest of WA when you arrive here for the Boomers <laughs> to play the links later on this week. Thank you so much, mate. Appreciate you.
Well, our next guest is one of the most intriguing players we have seen in the NBL. Walker steps in. He got it. Quick trigger. Got it! To Vondrick Walker. Backdoor pass. Inglis to Walker and he throws it down with a right-handed jam. Yes, has there ever been a more spoken about and fascinating three-club player who has only played in 13 NBL games? I doubt it, but Devondrick Walker is much loved by Wildcats fans despite never playing a game due to injury. He then debuted for South East Melbourne Phoenix, won an NBL 1 West Championship, Grand Final MVP Award and League MVP Award with Rockingham Flames, and then got signed by the Brisbane Bullets. But at the end of a short amount of time at the Bullets, it was just fleeting. He was removed from the roster and is now back in WA, hoping to find a new place to play. And I'm pleased to say he's agreed to have a chat. Devondrick, welcome to the Dribble Podcast. How are you, my man? Yes, going well. How are you is the big question. It's been just over three weeks since you were released by Brisbane. Where are you at in terms of trying to find a new place to play anywhere in the world? Uh, I think we had a, a conversation about this before, but, you know, when, when, when you do what I do, it's, it's always contracted. So you just want to be in a place of, you know, paradise. So I'm here. I'm here until something comes up. So uh, when I was leaving Latvia, uh, I wanted to come here and be in a place that I enjoy being, my family enjoys. So uh, kicked up and perfect. Now I'm back at it. So I'm in the city, man. Yeah, when you said we we spoke before, you and I did speak on the phone a couple of weeks back before you even got to Brisbane, and you said that the reason you the reason you came to play for Rockingham was because Perth is just an idyllic place to live, and it's far better than some of the places you can end up as as a professional. Um, how difficult has it been trying to find the place where you want to live and play as opposed to just play? Um, you know, before if you'd asked me a couple years before, um, before I was married, before I had my daughter, it was. It was just smooth. You just go where, you know, basketball took you. But, you know, once you kind of get a family, you want to get more of a routine, you start to look for those places that you can find, you know, home and play basketball. Like, if I was good enough to play in NBA, obviously, <laughs> that would be ideal, you know, stay home, uh, play in NBA. But when you kind of overseas international travel, traveler, you kind of consider all those things. Um, and for me, uh, this is just a place where, you know, we find comfort. So since your foot injury ended your time at the Wildcats in 2017-18, you've played in the US, Italy, France, Melbourne, New Zealand, Latvia, Rockingham and Brisbane. So many people would say that's glamorous, but in reality, I'd imagine it's extremely stressful constantly being on the move. And if you think about it, if you look at them since that injury, um, Rockingham was the only place I played a full season. Um, just due to whatever, if you kind of look deep down into it, Rockingham was the only place out of those uh, places you mentioned before. Um, well, after leaving the Wildcats was the first time I played a full season. So that aspect of it is more frustrating than, you know, the traveling and getting here and there and there. But when you kind of get into the depths and the details of it, it's all been just misfortune, if you could, you could say, or, you know, decision making, you could say. So it's, it's, that's been the rockiest part, if you ask me. So do you reckon that the public has any idea what it's like to be an import traveling the world trying to fit in constantly with a new club with different pressures and different expectations, yeah. knowing that there's always someone who's got an axe hanging above your head if, you, if, if they want to change the roster for financial reasons or they, they're missing a piece from yeah. their own lo- local market? Do we really get it? Uh, no, it's it's definitely different in a ton of it goes into it. But to make it as simple as playing, if I weren't a professional athlete and I had to 
kind of deal with that on my job, I wouldn't want the job. <laughs> you know what I mean? The job of a professional athlete isn't as glamorous as you would like it to be, but the sport is. And that's what I think most professional athletes would would, would hang their hat on and why we keep doing it. The game of basketball itself is something that's, you know, we cherish it. But the job, it's kind of like, okay, you're in this position for this long. Got to do this, got to do that, make this happen. Keep your body in this shape and put your body in this shape. You know what I mean? It's just so many things that have to be kind of tip top to even, you know, be the best at the job. So if I were kind of, you know, somebody that's not in professional sports or, or deal with, you know, contracts like that, I wouldn't want that job. Like if I was outside looking in, I wouldn't want the job that I have. It's an interesting phrase. The job, like it is, it is your it's your full time job. Whereas what, most people are looking yeah. at you, you're playing sport for a living. But it's an act, it is a job. You've got to do all the things that are required yeah, yeah. to be a prof- professional athlete. Does it does it yeah. take away the love of the game? Do you still love the game the same, or is it does that love get diminished because of all of the things we talked about just before? How hard it is just to, to stay employed at different times or be in a job which you which you yeah, enjoy yeah. playing? Yeah, it can. Uh, it can take the love from it, but, you know, kind of for the guys who listen in or who will read it, think about your, your partner. Think about the things that they do that take away the love, you know what I mean? But it's just something about them you like, I love this person, and I wouldn't want to be with anybody else, you know what I mean? It's just the same feel that you have with the sport, you know, with your wife or whoever. It's kind of like, oh, this person, you know, you have your moments. But um, it's very similar, man. It's very similar to that. It's love. Uh, kind of ups and downs, but when you care about something so much and it means so much and it's done so much for you, um, you just kind of roll with the punches. So it obviously didn't work out with the bullets. What what happened there? What what was the what was the issue which which led to uh, it just not being the right fit for you for them or you? Uh, like personally, I have my own opinions on it, but if you were kind of looking from a club perspective, um, I just don't think it was the right fit, the timing, you know, kind of the stuff that was going on. So personally, I can think or say what I want, but from the club, you know, that's what the reasons they gave. So in terms of the Brisbane situation, I wish it would have played out much better, um, but it, it is what it is. So you're now back in Perth instead of staying in Queensland or instead of even going back back to America. When your decision-making was based around you know, where to move to next, you're obviously American, as we said, but you got have got some mm-hmm. ties over here in Perth with friends and, and Bryce Cotton yep, yep. being one of those and being many of the Wildcats as well and the Rockingham boys. Was that why you decided to base yourself here while you work out what you do next? Yeah, man, I got family here, you know, uh, from the people that I've met from my time in Wildcats, obviously. My previous relationship with Bryce, but the people I met with my time in Rockingham, those boys, you know, they all become my family. So I have a big, you know, in my opinion, a big family here. Um, So it's comfortable, man. They've accepted my wife, accepted uh, my daughter. My daughter got friends, you know what I mean? So it's some things that's invaluable, um, especially when when you're trying to play. Um, So for me, Perth has kind of, you know, become a second home. And that home, I said, for your daughter, she's three years old. So it, it, it wouldn't be easy, as you said, being in this sort of environment where you're trying to raise a three-year-old on a different side yeah, of the world yeah. to where your real family is as well. So you need that family friendship element of exactly. it that you've got in Perth. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And it's and, and, and it's been, you know, I guess it's invaluable, like I mentioned, when you, you know, you kind of got your family with you. And you're not in your, you know, quote unquote, hometown, or, you know, just around your immediate family. 
But um, the people in Perth have adopted me, my family, and, you know, it feels good. We're comfortable here. And just having that stability, whether I, you know, go play in Europe or go play this place, go play this place, just having that stability in a place that allows me to travel in and out. You know what I mean? Just, to, just it gives me flexibility in a place that I want to be. So we saw you training with the Wildcats at the start of the season as, as one of their training mm-hmm. players. Uh, you know, I haven't seen you with them um, in the, the sessions we've been allowed to access. So are, are you training with anyone at the moment to try to stay in shape or are you, are you chilling out and just sort of allowing your body to, to, to rest after what's been a, a pretty long few months for you? What's, what's your approach at the moment? Uh, no, I just want to give a major shout-out to my man, Marshall Nelson, uh, and who with him. Uh, we've been getting some work in, uh, just trying to stay in shape, getting ready for the next opportunity. Uh, it's just, it, it'll come. You know, I haven't been with the Cats at the moment. Um, but just staying out, staying in the gym, staying in the weight room, um, keeping keep sharp because it is in season, it's the middle of season. So the opportunity comes up, you got to be ready to go. So, uh, yeah, big shout-out to uh, Marshall. What's he done for you, Marshall? He's a, he's a bloody good player with Rockingham. Like you've obviously built a good relationship, and he's played some, some NBL. Uh, he's had an NBL career as, as well. Like, what's he done to help you to to, yeah. to do this sort of work? You know, just kind of just from watching the previous games that I had in Brisbane. Uh, how can I get better? How can I maximize movement patterns? You know, quickness, uh, stuff, just stuff like that. And, and he's really good at it, and he's sharp, and he got a really good eye on um, how to make a player more shifty and the things that you know, I personally need to get better in and improve in. So um, the partnership has been pretty good with him. He's good, confident, and he's obviously a um, former teammate of mine. So, you know, win the championship together. So the ties are always there, and he's a great guy. And have Bryce here. Like, Let's, let's talk about your relationship with Bryce. You've known each other for, for I reckon, is it eight years you've known each other, or is it even longer? Uh, it'll be 10 soon. 10 soon? Yeah. So yeah. how, have you, yeah. how have you two managed to stay in touch from different sides of the world and, and keep this relationship so strong as, as what as what it is? It's it's crazy you ask that question because I don't have an answer for it. You know, you just, you know, you separate after, you know, because we only spent a year together as teammates. Um, so it wasn't like we were teammates for 10 years before and then we stayed down. We teammates for a couple months at that and then, you know, we just we stayed in shape. You know, sometimes you just reach out to guys and, you know, the communication is mutual uh, over time. So we just so it's just so happened, you know, to, to keep that tie. And did you ever did you see him at that at that time when he was yeah, that would have been about 14, 2014, 15 or around that time, I think it was when you were together. Um, 13, 13, 13, 14, 13, 14. Yeah, 13, 14. Did, did you yeah. see him being what he's become now? Oh, 100 percent. Uh, 100%. When you see the mentality he goes out on the court with, um, just how he plays, how he works, and just how he approaches every day, every practice, yeah, of course. Especially when when you're in it with him, you know, in the battle with him, you especially only expect, you only expect greatness. Like, when you see failures, you like, that's not what you built for. You know, I know you, I know what you do, I know how you work, and I know how you think. So, it's like you expect these things. Now, he'll obviously be very integral again as he is in every game when the, the Wildcats and the Bullets play on Thursday night. Uh, have you, have you yeah. what, How do you see that match sort of panning out? Have you, have you, have you kept close enough tabs to have an opinion? Yeah, 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 for sure. I think I think Brisbane's down a couple guys, big bodies, new coach, trying to figure it out. So I think if, you know, Sam can get those guys 
moving up and going and training this week, um, especially after a tough one uh, this past weekend. And kind of the same for Perth. You know, they both both teams need wins. Um, so I think that'll be a slugfest, man. Uh, I actually will flip a coin on it. Let's go back to your season at Rockingham. You averaged 27 points a game, won the MVP award and grand final MVP award. You were dominating. Like That must have been a really fun season in the NBL 1 West. Yeah, it was, it was good. And it gave me what I, what I came back to Perth for. You know, just that love, that weather, that energy, you know, the people kind of gave me what I, what I was after. Um, and that's why, you know, I'm kind of back here now. Just like I know that love is there. Energy, like I said, that people just like the introduction you gave me. Where where else am I going to get that? And I haven't done anything for you or the you know other people in this in this country. I haven't done anything for anybody, and it's just consistent love. Um, so just that energy is 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 just what what I came out there for, and I'm thankful for it. Well, you have done a fair bit for Rockingham. Have a listen to some of these stats. Devondrick averaged 11 three-point attempts per game, shot at 46% from the perimeter, and just, as I say, lit it up. Did, did Coach Ryan Petrick just tell you to, to let it fly and just shoot as much as you can because everything you shot seemed to go in? <laughs> I'm going to say this. If you shoot 11 threes a game, you better be making them. <laughs> so I don't know if Ryan never just told me to shoot them all, but he never told me not to, so... Um, I know if any one of my teammates shooting 11 threes, he better be making them. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's a clear message, isn't it? So, I mean, do you see yourself as any chance of getting back into the NBL? Is is, it, is that one of the one of the options you're, you're considering at the moment, or is overseas the most likely scenario? Do you think if you end up playing in the next couple of weeks? Well, for me, it's it's honestly, I don't I don't even know, but I have to stay ready for both. You never you never know. Like I didn't see me being released from the bullets. But you got to be ready for that stuff when you're in this profession. So, like, I could have a job next week. I could go this season without playing, but I have to be prepared for both, you know. Um, So either way, you just kind of take everything day by day, keep your steps going, put your work in. Look at her. Giggling away in the background, isn't she? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Uh, It's a a tough life. I couldn't couldn't imagine living the lifestyle where you just don't know where you're going to be working uh, one week from the next, whether it's in in one country or one state or the next, and you've got a, and when you've got a three year old, you're chasing around as well. So, good luck. We have a real soft spot for you here in Perth. So, hopefully, things work out well for you. And uh, thank you very much for t- for giving up some of your time to come on the Dribble Podcast. No problem, my man. Thank you for reaching out. And anytime, uh, anytime. Well, that's it week for this week's episode of the Dribble Podcast. Remember, you can read all of your basketball news in the West Australian newspaper and keep logging on to thewest.com.au. Thanks to Kayla George and Devondrick Walker for their time. Thanks to the magnificent Kate Ryan for her production work. We'll be back next week with another episode of the Dribble Podcast. <laughs>